Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. What's interesting is like with the virtual stuff recently that I've been doing, if I can't see the audience, I'm imagining them. Oh. Right? And, and I do stuff like to engage them. I'll say stuff like, um, hey, uh, you know, who? Let's, let's have a super interactive conversation here. And it, they know that it's complete BS because I can't see them. And, and I'll be like, so raise your hand if you're wearing your pajama pants. Yes. Okay, good. Um, got your coffee, your water, like what, you know, and, and I'll be like, okay, I'll ask them a question. And I'm like, uh, I want you, because if we were live together, you know, we would be, you'd be yelling this back out to me. So just yell it out at your computer screen, like I can hear it. So I'll ask a question and then I'll lean, <laughs> do you know, I'll lean in for the answer. So I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Okay, good. Great. That's not uh-huh. the answer. This is the answer. And, you know, so there's, there's stuff you can do if you're having fun with yourself. Your audience will, in their own way, have some fun too, um, even in a, in a virtual scene. What's up, guys? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershaz, and I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine is about two things. Number one, people are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world doing both of these despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews of world-class speakers and business leaders showcasing their origin story, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now, so it can help you step into your greatness within your own life, business, and career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years in entrepreneurship as a CEO to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation and messages, and I'm stoked to have you guys here. Well, guys, uh, welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazadeh. And like I said, we have amazing guest in Stephanie Paul. Welcome to the show. Guys, uh, as you know, we are The Greatness Machine, and we're all about bringing people on here who are living their passions to create greatness in the world. And Stephanie is neither short of nor passion nor greatness. So I'm so happy to have her here. But before we get started, a couple of things. First of all, we are live. Uh, so start a watch party if you're on Facebook. You're going to want to share this. It's going to be a, quite an entertaining hour. If you were even on our pre-show, you would have been like, dude, I can't wait till the real show starts. So the real show has begun. Ask questions. The team's on standby. They will be shooting questions our way. So don't be shy. Don't be that weird voyeurist that's like sitting in the corner peeking. It's kind of weird. Um, and last but not least, um, let's have some fun. But before we get started, I'm going to forward out my script go. Damn it. Stephanie, did you have this? Script? Was improv. You told me this was totally an improv interview. Yeah, you I told me you got a script. Like, where is the trust? The trust is gone. I know. I'm fucking with you. But but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> did you hide on that tree. No, um, I, I always have my bio, though. My bio is the part where I kind of have it there just because I want to not mess up. Is that cool? Yep. The stuff that you've been digging up about me. Yeah, there's so much dirt. I would, if you were Trump, you would be totally hosed right now. Uh, <laughs> well, I have played the president in a movie. 
Oh, I, I I think I saw that. I saw. Didn't you you played Sarah Palin in a movie? Yeah, they made me look like Sarah Palin, but it was terrifying because at the time it was when um, uh, t- uh, Tina Fey was doing all that amazing uh, comedy work around her, and I said, I remember saying to the director, like, "Do I have to be Sarah Palin?" And he's like, "Oh no, 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 no. We're just making you look like Sarah Palin." He goes, "It's a representation of a parody of presidents." So he's like, "You can be whoever you want." So I actually studied um, George Bush Jr. And if okay. you in the movie, a lot of my mannerisms are very similar to his because I thought he was physically the funniest president that I had seen in research. So that's, that's well, how, do, how do you? I want I, I want to give your bio, and then I want to come right back to this conversation. Okay. So obviously, you've you, you you're an actor, a former actor, actor. I don't know. Once you're an actor, you're always an actor, right? Isn't that how it is? I think so. You're always performing somewhere. Right. So actor, <laughs> entrepreneur, founder at Stephanie Paul Inc., coach, speaker, comedian, improvisational superstar. You've spoken on stages all over the world. Mm-hmm. But most notably, you are now a trainer with a knack for connecting people in meaningful and engaging ways from the boardroom to the showroom. Mm-hmm. And I read that you're a laughter yoga trainer. Yes. <laughs> so you don't know this. Um, I, before I sang on the show, which now is my shtick, I used to make people do lo- yoga laughs. Mm-hmm. So you being a, a laughter yoga trainer, can you train me for like 10 seconds? Um, well, okay. So uh, first of all, the first rule of laughter yoga is feel no pain, do no harm, right? Okay. So and uh, laugh yoga essentially um, is pranayama, breathing and movement. So all we're going to do is move and we're going to add some uh, laughter to that. So most people assume that uh, laughter needs some form of humor or joke in order to do it, but it's an ex- absolute lie. It's not true at all. What happens when you start laughing, uh, it fires off the mirror neurons in my brain and yours, and we connect. It's the most contagious behavior that we actually have. And when we do it, we release about 11 wonderful uh, chemicals like oxytocin, um, dopamine, all those kind of things that make you feel like fabulous and high. and um, mm-hmm. The longest I've actually laughed in a group without stopping is 10 minutes. What? <laughs> and it was exhausting. I'll tell you that right now. Um, and the best way to do it is on the floor with your heads facing each other. But we can't do that today. Okay. So we uh, we basically, we, you could do some sort of exercise. They have really basic exercises. But uh, have you got your phone in front of you? I do. I do. Okay. So we'll do telephone laughter, right? So you're going to look at your phone <laughs> and you're going to look Tell like you're listening. You can hear me and we're going to laugh together. (laughs) 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 Well, we get to the end of that and we go, very good, very good. Yay. And that's how we end an exercise. So I go. love that. So my, my, my favorite part is it feels like I did. I just did drugs. Not that I've ever done drugs. Well, you know, it's really. <laughs> no. I didn't know about that either. Nope. Um, <laughs> interesting because I had a woman once. She said to me, can you do some like you just said laughter yoga with me? And um, I kind of wanted to intensify it for her. And um, so because, you know, she really was sort of a non-believer. And I said, OK, let's do this exercise. I said, check in with your body. Tell me, just, just sort of close your eyes and breathe gently and just how do you feel? Are there any aches and pains? Is, you know, are you uncomfortable anywhere? Do you feel tired? Whatever. Just 
just sort of give yourself a full body check. And when she sort of done with that, I said, okay, so now what we're going to do is we're going to hug each other and we're going to laugh. So I'm going to start laughing and you, you're not going to be able to, you know, even if you feel stupid, you're still going to keep laughing. And she's like, okay, so, and we had somebody time it for a minute. So we hugged each other and we laughed for a minute. And then when we broke, when the timer went off, we broke and I said to her, how do you feel? And she goes, oh my God, I'm high. She's yeah. like, I feel euphoric. And I'm like, it's awesome, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, just all the big soup. Yep. I love it. Yeah. You know, so like last year I was, I had this like brutal, brutal, brutal fucking year. I mean, it was like really, really brutal. And so I, I don't remember where I it was. Something came like to my brain where I was like, I'm just going to ask my, he was five or he was five at the time, I guess, maybe six, my six year old. I'm like, Hey, come give me a hug. And I would make him give me like 10 hugs a day just to, and I swear to God, I, I would go from like not feeling good to actually like feel, to your point, not hundred percent euphoric, but I felt good. And I was like, Oh, I'm just like, I'm just hacking my, my, uh, you know, my chemical. Mm -hmm. Serotonin, um, touch releases serotonin and oxytocin. Oxytocin, right. Um, yeah. But you can, uh, dopamine is the the most addictive one of all those ones in there. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to say this wrong because it's one of those big long words, but it's like acetylcholine, something like that. When we release that chemical, it either happens at trauma or it happens at, at euphoric, like high laughter, that kind of thing. And if you want to change um, a belief system, a mindset, a habit, you kind of want to get that drug involved wow. and then you want to bring out the dopamine so that with each little win, you get, you give yourself a hit of dopamine and you can get that uh, chemical to release when you're at, well, basically what happens, it shows up at a heightened experience, right? right. So it's like, bang, wake up, see this, remember this. And so you can get that back when you meditate and breathe in certain ways. Um, yeah. so one of my fun techniques to use with clients who are working on different habits, changes, mindset, belief system, those kind of things. That's so cool. So, so yeah, so let's, let's chop that up. Let's get into that. So, so you, you were a performer for many years and, and I guess, you know, uh, did a lot of stuff. I, 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 it was amazing because I was introduced to you from the perspective of what you're doing now. And, and if I just go to, you know, your Stephanie Paul, uh, is it like corp or something.com? Stephanie Sorry, sorry. Which is like very, like, like, oh, Stephanie Paul Inc.com. It's like very yeah. businessy. Very serious. Very serious. It has like a briefcase attached to it, right? <laughs> so, so I, go, I open the briefcase up. I'm like, oh, okay, like TEDx, you know, you and I had a conversation of how you did a TED in Iran. Like, like you're training speakers, you're executive producing events, you're working with corporate individuals to help them, you know, put, put together their keynotes, like very, very businessy, right? And then I start digging and there's like um, just so much gold. You <laughs> <laughs> so, have fun, right? <laughs> oh man, I was like, uh, dude, you need to open the briefcase up and show some of that stuff off because that stuff's, that's, that's some cool stuff. So, so yeah, tell us your background. Like, how did you, we know, well, we know where you are right now. And I want to go there that you're doing this really business. Okay, I'll, I'll, go back in, I'll go back in the history. I'll go back. Yes, in the history. yes, 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 yes. Go, go, well, go. Um, I started dance at the age of four and I did that for 12 years. I started drama at the age of 10. I started professionally working at the age of 16 as an actor. Um, and I was also a professional dancer for two years from 16 to 18. And 
When I sort of, um, I also modeled around in eight different countries around the world, but I, I honestly, I don't like telling people that. Yeah, yeah that's no big deal. Just it modeled no, in eight no, countries around the world. Um, <laughs> the, only, the only time I ever got canned from a job, and this, I, that's a pun actually, because I was it was a Versace runway collection in Milan and I got canned because of my cans. They were too big. <laughs> what? Wait, yes. wait, wait, wait. They fired you because you they were fired too because my cup size, Yeah, my cup size was too big. They wanted like cup you know coat hanger models so yeah this was um, like this was like uh what's her face the girl from uh the uk was very popular for that you know uh we don't know names remember we were joking about that oh kate, yeah no i have no idea who you're talking uh, about kate moss kate moss, kate moss. Was, oh yeah i actually met her she wasn't very nice when i met her but i, I don't want to go down that road I, I was at a party one night in paris but uh, anyway, I'm not name dropping. It's not. Yeah, like this one day to, after my Versace runway where I got fired, Kate Moss and I got into it in Paris. Quite, <laughs> but um, I'm not a big name dropper. Yes, I digress. Okay, so I kind of traveled the world working as a model for a few years, and then I got back to New Zealand, and I was like, well, "What am I going to do?" And one thing I noticed was I loved shooting commercials, and I loved the acting stuff. So I decided just I literally interviewed all my friends in the film industry and said, ask them, should I go to film school? Should I not go to film school? What should I do? Um, and basically they all said, either way you start at the bottom. Um, and a lot of them thought film school was a waste of time because you learn a lot more on set. So I decided um, if I wasn't working in front of the camera or on stage or whatever, I was going to be behind the scenes. So I worked as an agent for a couple of years. I worked in lighting. I worked in um, locations. I worked in catering. I worked in wardrobe, makeup. I did everything except for sound. So if I wasn't here, I was, you know, back there doing something. And I learned how to produce. I got a couple of mentors that were producers and directors. And that was sort of what I did. So I was on both sides of the fence whenever I, you know, that's how I made my money for many years. And then I went through a divorce. And um, at the same time, I sort of wanted to get out of Hollywood and move to the beach. Um, I wanted to get out of my marriage too. So um, I just, you know, it wasn't like, it was just everything was superficial around me, and I and I'm like that's not who I am, and I kind of had this tool set or skill set that I wanted to figure out a way to give it to other people, so that uh, you know, I mean, many people say you're given your gifts and you've got to give them away, and I absolutely believe that. So I moved to the beach to lick my wounds and figure things out and start to learn to understand myself and how I got to this place, and I was writing for a publication in Europe. Um, I was doing a lot of comedy and travel travel coverage and. I was teaching an acting class in a local town and one of my students was a professor at Chapman University and he said to me, you know, you should do this in the corporate world. No, <laughs> don't be ridiculous. What the hell do I know about the corporate world? And he's like, no, seriously, like the corporate world needs to learn how to connect and be entertaining, engaging and all that kind of stuff. And um, never really thought about it after that. And then they did an article in the, in the local newspaper about me because where I live, San Clemente, they've got Nixon and the presidential la-la-la, and I play the president of the United States in Iron Skies. We talked about earlier the Palin S character, um, and they thought that was cool and the movie was coming out. So after that article was released, I got my first two clients in the corporate world. Nice. They contacted me and were like, hey, can you help me with this? And I was like, sure. I have no idea what I'm doing. But, you know, and then then I realized that I could do it. That gave me the confidence to move forward the next step. Um you know, uh, I started doing the stand-up stuff. I loved improv, um, although it scared the hell out of me. I knew it was a really good tool, and I did that for 12 years. And the reason why I did the stand-up, there's always logical reason. 
uh, for me to shift gears, it's kind of weird, but I knew that I wanted to differentiate myself in LA from other women that looked like me. And there was no woman back then, like, you know, looked like me that were doing stand up. So it was, it was like a way that I could, and then about two years after I did started stand up, of course, everybody wanted funny woman, you know, and all that. And then everybody else started doing stand up, whatever. So that was that, that road. Cause I skipped that. Sorry. And, and then, I started looking for mentors and a business coach because I'd never run a business before. I mean, I produced, I knew how to budget and produce stuff like produce right. live events. Um, I'd produced, you know, video content and all that kind of stuff. I'd produced many com comedy shows on a big scale. So that side of it was easy, but the actual running of a business and, you know, why right. and like sales and all that kind of stuff was very different. So I got some mentors around me. I got into a, a mastermind group of CEOs. Okay. And, that was all really, really helpful. And um, then it was sort of like, you know, you need to target a market. You know, you've got to have a niche market. Mm. Everybody keeps telling me. But And I I was a little resistant for that because essentially what I was teaching people is a, is a tool that everybody needs, engagement, communication, like, you know, humor, empathy, sincerity, transparency, and the way you communicate, those kind of things, you know. Um, but I decided, okay, well, I'll go after niche market. So I went after sort of biotech technology that kind of arena. And I knew to go after that market, first of all, I was going to have a lot of clients because a lot of people are very dry, data-driven, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing was is that um, because technology is always moving forward, there was always going to probably be work in that area for me. Right. And um, But I knew I couldn't just show up to a bunch of scientists and tech geeks and say, hey, I'm going to teach you some acting techniques and it's going to be funny. So I, that's when I started going down the rabbit hole of the science and the biology and the right. science behind why all the entertainment stuff works. And I am having so much fun in that area, learning all about that kind of stuff. And it's so much, when you understand the biology, it's so much easier to do all the tasks and the habits, I think, versus I think people, you know, people say to me all the time, like, how do you make someone funny? Like, how do you teach someone to be funny? And I'm like, I don't. You're the funniest person you know. I, I can't teach you how to be funny, but I can guarantee you've made your family members laugh, your colleagues laugh, your kids laugh, your whatever, because 86% of what we laugh at is commonality. It's got nothing to do with jokes or humor or stand-up or anything like that. It's like, oh, my God, you broke your ankle. I broke my ankle too. I got hit by a bus. You know, that's... That's when we both go, yeah, man, high five. It's <laughs> right, right. And and that start once people realize that it's that easy, and they're like, oh, really? And you know, uh, the online training thing that I'm building right now. One of the things that I talk about because we just finished editing a whole bunch of videos yesterday. That's why it's fresh in my mind. Is I talk about you know a simple thing to shift. If you want to shift something simple for engagement, is start practicing smiling. Right. So just start practicing smiling at everybody, the dog, the cat, the tree, the whatever, like that in itself will release serotonin in your body, right? If you hold a pencil between your teeth for 20 seconds, serotonin will start to release in your body. So you can automatically engage your body to start feeling better and releasing the chemicals that makes you feel joy. Right. And then when you're feeling joy, you will give it to somebody else automatically, You'll energetically lift the room and you choose to do it. Our emotions are our choice. And when you understand that, because our emotions are essentially just chemicals, 
It's all they are. They're just chemicals that get created in our body. And then we get what we call feelings, right, from those emotional or those chemical changes. And we can do whatever we want with that. It's our choice. Somebody wants to get really, really angry. Um, that's because they're allowing their limbic system, their you know reptilian brain to take over and not allow their neocortex to shift gears and kick in. And that's our logical, reasonable brain. So, you know, it's it's all biology and breath work has a lot to do with it, you know. And you can change your brain by changing your body and vice versa. So Yeah, that's so cool. I don't I don't call them feelings, I call them the feels. That's that's my <laughs> I, I own that, by the way, in case you're wondering. Um, trademarked. It's trademarked. Okay. It's trademarked. Yeah. Yeah. My buddy's top patent attorney and trademark attorney in the Silicon Valley. So anyone out there that thinks that they own the word the feels, I also own the word bay. I don't know if you know that, but anyway, um, wow. that's, 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 yeah. Um, there's some hip hop people that are going to rent that from me. Do you guys know who you are? Uh, we do have, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry, Beyonce. That, yeah, Jay Z's not your bae. He's babe. And when you pay me, he becomes bae. We have a question, though, uh, from okay. the audience. Do you think everyone can be funny, or are there some that are not just not funny, no matter how much training? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you suck. You're just not funny. Just shut the fuck up. No, um, seriously. Oh, no, I, honestly, um... <laughs> I was actually thinking the same thing. I'm like, dude, I know tons of people who are not funny. They are in their own way, um, and they can probably make themselves laugh in their own way when they want to. But they're just there's super simple techniques that you can learn. You know, as far as I mean, you could go and get a joke book and learn how to write jokes. There's plenty of like, you know, comic comedic. I can't even say the word right now. I feel like Ken in the Fiscal Wonder. Today, Junior. No. Um, there's plenty of comedy gurus out there that you can buy their books and you can learn how to joke right and all that kind of stuff. And but you know, at the end of the day, simple like a commonalities. I get a laugh every single time I do this, and I talk about it every single time I get interviewed because it's just so simple. It's that old joke of like when you walk into a room and everybody's wearing black and somebody else is wearing red, and you're like, "Hey, Jason, didn't you get the memo?" You know, and everybody laughs. Yeah. including Jason and it's you know it's, it's just this weird thing but it, it's commonalities and when you start acknowledging that or you know do something as simple as like walk into an elevator filled with people not that we're going to get that right now at the moment but you know um and and turn around and be like you know what it's much nicer this view you know and just <laughs> and people will just be like oh, that's kind of weird but they smile because you're doing so you know it's entertaining it's just simple yeah. little things like that you don't have to have extraordinarily talented writing skills or anything like that. You just you just have to have joy and be willing to have fun and play. Our brains love play. You know, there's, there's a bunch of studies around, with, and I started learning all this with the laughter, because I'm a laughter yoga trainer and leader. So there you go. I'm training. My bad, my bad. I, 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 I didn't. I didn't give you what you what you deserve. Yeah. Leaders are here and trainers are here, so I'm the I'm studied both. Um, Is there like a grand master above that? that you yeah, well, into? Dr. Um, Dr. Kataria in India, he started laughter yoga. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, there's actually a laughter quotient who uh, that was uh, uh, designed by a friend of mine with a bunch of mathematicians and scientists, and that's Merv Neal. If you really want to go down the laughter road he's done a lot of science stuff behind it and studies with uh dialysis patients and things like that i mean he has 
a business around it because he almost died. Um, he got very, very sick. And the, the hospital basically told him, go home and, you know, get your things in order because you're going to be dead in two months. And he started laughing uncontrollably and he didn't, like, wasn't doing it on purpose. It wasn't like, you know, Norman Cousins who did the first laughter yoga study back in the 20s. And he couldn't figure it out and it had been going on for three weeks, but he'd been getting better. And he went back to the hospital and he's like, okay, I have no idea what's going on. Can you tell me? And they were like, we have no idea what's going on, but you're getting better. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And he goes, I just can't stop laughing. And they're like, well, keep doing it. Finally, he found an Indian doctor who actually said, well, what's happened here is that your um, brain body connection is switched, right? So your body has taken over and your body's decided it's going to heal itself. So your brain's not really involved in this process. And um, then he started learning more about it and whatever. And we connected through the laughter yoga community at a conference in San Diego, and he taught a business class to teach people, you know, and he's Australian, but uh, yeah, he's super into it. Like, uh, and uh, he's done a list. I, I often check in with him and like, hey, what's the latest uh, science going on in the laughter community mm -hmm. when I'm writing a paper or something like that? Because he's usually pretty onto it. That's um, cool. Well, I digress. I went down a rabbit hole then, didn't I? No, yeah, that's cool. I, so I have a couple of questions though. So, so you obviously, um, we're trained in the art of entertainment, right? And you, I mean, when you're at, at both from the produ production side as well as the, you know, actual participant, acting, actress, actor side. So, and comedy and dancing and modeling. And so like when you're doing all those things, you're like, you're kind of like on, you know, you're on camera, you're in front of the mirror, you're having to like look at yourself in a pretty vulnerable state a lot, you know, and I would say you're also, this is just at least my read is like, you're kind of naked, right? You have to like, look and say like, what makes me look my best? When do I look like shit? Because everyone's looking at me. Right. And then, and then you have to perfect the art of looking a certain way. Isn't yeah. that a lot of what that is? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter and Gamble, Ben and Jerry and supply and demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through, but then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. 
Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. And let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stop me from fully enjoying the little things in life. From canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. Yeah, I mean, when I was younger, I was worried about all that kind of stuff. I mean, I still don't like that I'm getting older and, you know, the, the, the pounds are coming on, you know, if, uh, you know, as you get old. I mean, I shop, I do, I work out, I eat healthy and all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, and I think I'm, I'm less cognizative, cognizative, yeah, cognizative of that perf- looking perfect type thing. Um, and I'm more interested in actually engaging and connecting and I suppose you say doing my job, achieving the task at hand, you know. When I was, I remember when I was modeling and, and, and acting and stuff and on camera, um, I would often, if I wasn't happy with my wardrobe or my hair or whatever, there was only one time, one time that I complained about the wardrobe and I was like, I am not wearing that fucking dress. <laughs> Um, and I actually had a designer friend who donated a dress to me for the movie for that particular um, scene because I was not wearing the dress that wardrobe mistress had for me and they didn't have a huge budget to go out and buy me more stuff but most of the time my attitude was if the client was happy I was happy Um, right the the, the reason I brought it up though was that when you're trained like when like obviously you you got comfortable with doing it, but but from that training to then move that into private enterprise, right? Because I'm asking from the position of an executive and CEO that when you come into a room and you're watching how someone presents to each other, how they're interacting with each other, I got to assume there's so many nuances to the way they're standing, the way they're sitting, their eye contact, all these things that you just probably after, after you know decades of doing this, you just knew it, right? Mm-hmm. Now you're in a room full of people that have zero awareness around this unless they have very, very just high natural intuitive communication skills. And so when you walk into a room and because I see this, right? Like I actually think I, I have pretty high intuitive communication skills. At least I tell myself that. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong, but belief but system I, is everything. Belief system is everything. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't even matter if I don't. I still do. Um, <laughs> so, but I notice lots of people because everyone, most people are very self-involved, and and depending on their level of empathy and EQ and all those things, and then training, they may or may not know how they're come. Are they are they meeting people where they're at? And when I hear you talk about the things you're doing, I'm hearing you teach people to bring themselves where others are at so that they can connect and make connection. Can you go, talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, okay. So um, 
There was a study released in uh, Forbes magazine, which I found really interesting. It was a few years ago now. Um, and uh, it was from a, a research study done, at, uh, I think it was UCLA. I'm remembering off the top of my head. Uh, and they were looking for what people found is likability traits in other human beings. And one would think that that might be, you know, sexy, gorgeous, rich, whatever, but it's not. The, the three uh, top traits that they found uh, that were very, very consistent across the research was sincerity, transparency, and empathy. And I like to add humor to that because there's another study that was done at Berkeley over um, many decades with couples who um, divorced or stayed together, and the couples that stayed together um, had a lot of humor around a lot of the stress in their, in their lives, you know, like um, difficulties with financial, whatever that was. So, and we all know that you look at, I mean, I've, I'm, I haven't, it's been years since I've been on the dating circuit, but, you know, everyone on those dating websites, people say, oh, you know, I'm, I really want someone who's got a great sense of humor. Everybody wants to be around people who are funny no or way. humorous or, you know, have a, have a great energy about them. And, you know, so that's like super important. And, one of the things that was very intriguing for me as I'm going through this process of learning about myself and building my business and, and, and learning the science and things, a few people over the course of maybe three or four months had said to me, like, um, the one specific incident that I, I'm going to share is uh, I was at my CEO meeting with all my other, you know, uh, colleagues and or peers or whatever, and one of the women in the group, her brother had died two weeks previously, and she decided to come to the group. And one of the things that we did is we'd go around at the beginning of the meeting and we'd, we'd sort of catch up. Okay, this is what's happening in my business. This is the problem that I have. Um, this is what's happening in my family, my personal life. And then at the end of it, you'd say, I'm from zero to 10, zero being horrible and 10 being elated about my life right now. And she said, well, I would probably say that I was a five, but because Stephanie's in the room, I'm a seven and a half. And I was super confused by that. I was like, what does that mean? Because it was like the third time I'd heard it in a, in a recent, you know. And so I pulled her aside at the end of the meeting and I said, what do you mean by that? And she goes, well, you just show up and bring joy. And it shifts the energy of the room. Like you lift it somehow. And I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> like I had no idea that that's what I had the potential to do. And it took me back to an interesting article that I read once, and I'll never forget this. Somebody was writing a story about Marilyn Monroe and how she was out with her friend um, on Rodeo Drive. And her friend was walking down the street with her. There's lots of people milling around and shopping. And she says to her, nobody recognizes you. Nobody nobody knows that, you know, that you're Marilyn Monroe. What, what's the deal? And she goes, oh, it's because I don't, I'm not turned on. She's like, what? And she goes, watch this. Marilyn Monroe apparently switched her energy, turned it on, and then suddenly everybody saw her. And ever since I heard that, I've got goosebumps telling you this story. Wow. I was like, I wonder if I can do that too. And I started, I would shift my energy when I walked into rooms. If I didn't want to be seen or I wanted to be seen or I wanted to bring joy or whatever that was. Or And then the laughter yoga stuff, when I learned that, I, I just start laughing. I just start I, you know, something will be said, and I'll just start laughing because I can feel the energy in the room going south, and I'll just bring it back with joy and laughter. And these things are possible. So I basically, when I started my business, I was doing it backwards, in my opinion. I was looking at the content first. So we, well, what are we going to write? 
who, you know, like, what are we going to say? What is our message? What are our images? You know, how are we going to paint this picture kind of deal? And to me, that's the last component. That's the last thing that should even be looked at. Um, first, you want to know thyself, like Socrates said, you know, and I take a deep dive with my clients. I'm now certified in five sciences, which is DISC, which is behavioral, um, behavior that we can see. And I can usually guess somebody's DISC before I even run their science because of, it shows up in the way they behave. And then 12 driving forces, which is our motivators, and that's internal um, psychology um, motivators, things that motivate us and make us do things and go places. Um, and then EQ, which we talked about, um, emotional uh, quotient or intelligence. And then D, uh, DNA, which is a science based around 25 soft skills, like leadership, negotiation, those types of things. Uh, and then the last one is um, HD acumen, which is basically your capacity to view the world um, and understand it and view yourself and understand it. So it's a, I mean, it takes about an hour to complete all the sciences when my clients sit down and do it. And um, it takes us probably about three hours to unpack it. We usually separate it into the first two EQ and then uh, the last two. Um, the last two can change based on, you know, what's happening in your world. Like if, if you're in the middle of a shit storm and a really hard project and you're working 18 hours, it's obviously going to be a very different read than if you've a year later you've finished that project and now you're on vacation for a month in Hawaii with a Mai Tai, you know, so it's a, just different. Are you guys enjoying the show so far? Darius here. And by now you might know that I'm passionate about a few things, pizza, pink unicorns, core values, and down dirty, interesting conversation with some amazing people. However, the biggest one that I've spent most of my career on is entrepreneurship and scale. You see, look, my first few years in business, I spent like probably a good five years of my life getting my freaking teeth kicked. I mean, really getting crushed. And I learned a lot during that time period. So I spent the greater part of the last couple of years helping entrepreneurs scale their businesses in a meaningful way without going through the same growing pains that I did. And what I realized is that CEOs and business leaders don't know if they can scale and thus they do the right thing at the wrong times. This causes them to lose clarity, lose momentum, alignment, and the bottom line is you lose money. And look, you don't have to do that. It's why I created what I call the scalability assessment, and you can access it 100% for free. That's right, guys. There are perks to listening to The Greatness Machine. All you have to do is go to DariusScale.com. That's D-A-R-I-U-S scale, S-C-A-L-E.com. And there, you can check to see if your business is set up to scale properly. It's going to give you a scalability score at the end, and it's also going to give you some clarity on what you can do next. Once again, guys, that's www.itsdariusscale.com. Once again, guys, it's dariusscale.com. And now back to the show. So, so um, just because I want to make sure the audience is clear on this. Sure. So, the, the reason your clients are working with you, and there's many reasons, but one of the big ones and how you and I got introduced was around doing keynotes, right? Mm -hmm. And so is, so can you kind of give a list of what products or what services you're training to, be, and then we'll dive into your process? Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I work with speakers predominantly. Um, the other thing that's really funny is a lot of my clients uh, are executives and once they work with me, they're like, you know, I've got a couple of employees that need your help. Could you come in and work with them? Or could you come in and do a team training on culture and empathy and sincerity and listening to each other? You know, essentially communication. And so any form of communication, um, you know, like 
Last week, I gave a keynote presentation to 100 people on a, a WebEx, um, which was super, it's super weird talking to a wall, like, hey, how's it going? Like, and they're trying to yeah. get my keynote out there and like, no feedback. Okay. No read. It's the worst. <laughs> it's it's but, the worst. Um, yeah, it was successful. So a lot of my clients have shifted from the, obviously, the live presentation now to, uh, because the camera is a completely different system. I mean, somewhat. Uh, I think, uh, once again, it's all belief system. So I really work with people on their communication um, with a certain message, around a certain message. Although I have a certification in life coaching, I do currently have three clients that are just working with me on, on their life coaching, on their accountability, on showing up and getting stuff done. Um, yeah, and it just it varies. But that, that's, that's not really my, my main focus. I, I guess that I started with them as, as speakers, and then they're like, I really want to work, continue working on this. And then every now and again, they'll have a presentation will pop up and we'll shift gears and we'll work on that presentation and we'll go back to the. Got so, it. yeah, um, somewhat creative. But, yeah, any form of communication where there's a message and somebody wants to get more confident, more empathetic, become a better listener, because at the end of the day, your audience will always tell you what they want to hear, right? Um, and uh, the famous story that I have, I mean, I used to hear that all the time in stand-up, like, you know, you need an hour of material to do 20 minutes. So, you know, if, they, if you start doing dog jokes and the audience don't like the dog jokes, suddenly you've got to put those away and you've got to pull out the, you know, the, the train jokes. And all oh, the train jokes are working great. Then I'll go into the plane jokes. So, you know, it just, uh, that's sort of the, the concept of listening to the audience and I experienced it many times when I didn't listen to the audience, how everything went south. And when I did listen to the audience, how I met, had this amazing communication with them that wasn't necessarily spoken. I mean, I'm doing all the jokes, right? Um, but can I, I said, a, can I ask yeah. a question on that? Mm -hmm. So obviously in stand-up comedy, I could see that how that would work, right? At stand-up comedy, I got my hour of material. I, you know, I, I kind of read the audience. I throw a few things out there to temperature check them. They're not biting on this. Maybe they're, you know, and, and there's a thing, and I don't know if you've done work around like spiral dynamics and mindset, right? So there's maybe an authoritarian versus autocratic, pluralistic, strategic, right? So if I'm in Silicon Valley, it's different than if I'm in Minnesota, different than I'm in New York, different than I'm in Texas, right? These mm -hmm. people have different values. So my, the jokes aren't going to land the same way, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, so, so I get that. Let's switch gears though and say, hey, Darius wants to do a keynote, right? Like I can't like... Oh shit! My my material's not landing on my keynote. I'm gonna switch gears and like change my keynote. How does that work in a keynote or for an executive that is doing like a, a canned speech? Like I'm a little bit confused on that. Yeah. Well, so essentially, um, your audience is probably there because they want to be because they've paid for the conference or no. <laughs> they've chosen they've chosen to come into your keynote versus another person's keynote or, you know, whatever. So sure. we'll go from the perspective because with comedians, you don't always, you just pay the ticket, you go, you don't necessarily always go to see Eddie Izzard, right? You might just not know who's in the lineup that night. But think of it from the perspective that your audience has basically chosen to be there. Got so it. I've never experienced an audience who want you to fail, right? Who are sure. like, oh, I hate that guy. So I'm going to whole presentation. The worst. It sucks, you know. It's, um, we, we know that about our employees if they're forced to sit in your presentation. Um, but so we're coming from the perspective of the audience want to be there. They're super interested in what you have to say. So um, 
then you know who your demographic is. So you want to you want to understand that demographic. So um, and so you clearly come up with content um, and you talk to that demographic in a way that they understand, figure out what their jargon is, know what their language is. Uh, so um, know what they're going to want to hear, understand what's cool in their environment, you know, like what, what gets them going, what, what, what makes them go, yeah, like certain, you know, I mean, even uh, like or accountants, perfect example. I've got a client who his keynotes are often to accountants, mm-hmm. right? Super boring people generally. But and funny. So, but yeah. Really funny. Really funny. Very funny. Very funny accountants, especially with numbers. Mm. Um, and we, develop, we developed his presentation with humor in it and all that kind of stuff for accountants, right? He's, and, he, and I did a deep dive with him, like digging through his experiences with accountants. Okay, what are they like? Did they, what kind of questions do they ask? When do they go for the jugular when you've got, you know, information like what, you know, when do they argue with you? So we were able to pull out essentially content that because that he's heard from them in the past from his experience, right? So the way that works is that you do your homework. You don't just show up and throw toilet paper at the wall and hope something sticks. And that's where the conversation is because he's heard this, heard that, heard this, heard that, heard this, heard that, figures out, pulls out the things that are nuggets that he can turn into really juicy stories and information so that they essentially feel heard because he's going, what about this thing? Oh, my God, yeah. And I've experienced this. Have you experienced it? Oh, my God, yeah. See, that that's how that's how the conversation goes when you don't – you have to do your homework. Interesting. So, so – if someone and this is going out there for all my entrepreneur CEO friends who are listening right now, because a lot of the a lot of these people have to speak in front of audiences, right? Or they have to speak in front of their team. With their team, it's different because they're kind of like paid to sit there and watch, right? I mean, but it's different when you got to go out there and talk to people you don't necessarily know. Maybe this is a when you're selling. And I, when you, when I'm hearing you talk right now, I'm like, this is a great example of, of uh, I'm trying to influence someone's behavior, right? Mm-hmm. So whether it's a sales prospect, whether I'm trying to go get a job, whether I'm trying to win over an audience, whether I'm trying to win over someone I'm trying to date, it's getting to know what what is it that they care about is what I just heard you say. And then picking my message, doing your homework to your point to pick my message to resonate with them so I can get their attention. And And if you choose some piece of information that's kind of wrong or it hits them the wrong you'll get a physical reaction from your own. You know, if you're like, oh, that didn't work. So what you want, then you have to acknowledge it. You yeah, can't what do you, what, what, yeah, what do you do when, when you bomb? Because like I bombed, I didn't tell you the story. I went to TED uh, the, in, in Vancouver uh-huh. and, and, and there's this thing called TED Active. Do you remember that? No. But so, so when you did your TEDx event was the last year they did TED Active. And it was like the tele, it was the, it was, they always did a satellite. So when they did Ted in Long Beach, they had Ted active in Palm Springs. And it was like, it's where all the young, cool kids would go and all the old hedge fund people would go to Ted. And so, and it's very interactive. And a lot of the Ted speakers will come and they'll speak there and it's, it's fun anyway. So I go and they're like, tell a story about a scar. And so I'm, I'm not going to tell the whole story because it I fucking bought like, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to make a joke. I'm going to pretend like I'm going to tell the story of John Wayne Bobbitt which I don't know if you, yeah, dude, I went up and pretended like what happened, like John, I got John Wayne bobbited. And, and I was, I mean, I wasn't horrified because I don't really get embarrassed, but it was, it bombed. Like, it was like, people believed me, which was the problem. <laughs> well, that, that's okay. 
Interesting point. When I was going through my divorce, an, another friend of mine, comedian, he was going through a divorce, and I tried some divorce material, um, and it totally bombed. And when I got off the stage, he pointed out to me why. He goes, it didn't work, did it? And I was like, no. And he goes, you're too close to the pain. Oh, so wow. that when you talk about stuff, that, see, what, what you experienced was your audience had an inordinate amount of empathy for you. Oh. That's why you bombed because they were horrified that yeah. this happened to you and they believed you. So you're obviously a good actor. Yeah, but yeah. Then you've got to be real. You've got to let them in on the joke <laughs> or they're just going to be like, because the things that we laugh at are negative things. They're not positive things, right? right. But what you were talking about is something horrific. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's hard to make a joke about, you know, the Holocaust. You, I mean, not that that was a Holocaust, but for one individual penis, that was the Holocaust. Yeah, yeah. That was the Holocaust of penis jokes. Uh, but by the way, guys, don't ever joke that you got your penis cut off in front of 500 people. They, they, they'll believe you. Um, <laughs> I will, you want to know the funniest part of the whole story? Was the, the next guy that comes up. <laughs> the next guy that comes up. <laughs> I just can't believe this happened. He tells the story about when he was a baby. <laughs> and how and he starts taking off all his clothes and he has scars all along his whole body and that basically his mom had to like cut like the pus out of his body and like suck it out with her mouth or something and that he was scarred from head to toe and his mom saved his life and in the middle of doing this it's like crying his eyes out and the whole like the whole crowd stands up and cheers and and like like and i go to my buddy i'm like i am so fucking happy he just went next because no one remembers what i just did yeah, so, yeah it was <laughs> awesome i was like whoo, whoo. good thing good thing and he's did it in like spanish he's like me me mama <laughs> like he starts speaking spanish and shit and i was like oh my god that was really it was very helpful that they, they had lots of empathy for him as well but yeah. his was true and mine was a lie um i i did not get my penis cut off i swear <laughs> I have two children to prove it, okay? Oh, yeah, well, maybe you got bubbled it after the day. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> you testicles, right? So that's where the, I mean, you can, they can inject the testicles and take the sperm out that way these days. I mean, None of that should happen to me. You're, you're <laughs> taking this in the wrong direction. I am I'm a, down a rabbit hole. Not a lot about I'm me. whole. <laughs> I did not get, <laughs> all right, we're, we're moving on. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, um, when people are, are bombing, though, and, and and you're you're giving some advice on how do you how do you unwind that when you're going to go, when you're when you're yeah, so let's say um you you deliver a piece of information or you deliver a small story or something and and it doesn't bode well with the audience um it, you'll know if you are listening to the audience and you're watching their reactions you will know you know behavioral experts believe in some cases we have over four thousand behaviors and the interesting thing is. We can often do the poker face, but it'll pop out somewhere else on your body. Oh. Um, and so if you know a lot about behavior, you can you can see it come from another area of the body. And nine times out of ten, you'll get a general understanding if the audience is offended as a as a whole, because they'll do something like, you know, there'll be a sound, there'll be a shift in chairs, you'll you something will happen, you know. Um, if you do something funny, they'll laugh. So um I'll never forget, I was at this wedding. It was so amazing. It was in Tiburon, on the top of Tiburon Mountain, and it was off a cliff, and they were standing down by the cliff, and 
it was really funny because the bride wasn't crying, but the groom was, and so was the uh, the the celebrant who was marrying them. So the two dudes were crying, and the bride was standing there going, "What the hell is going on?" And um, we at the end of the wedding, when he said, uh, "You know, you may now kiss the bride," this massive eagle comes up from the cliff and hovers above them as they're kissing. It was like it's like release the eagle. It was so bizarre. <laughs> this eagle comes up. And it like stares at them and then it just turns and goes and flies away. And everybody, everybody, and the, there's like 50 people at the wedding goes and then laughs at the same time because we literally had a communal sniff because we were all like in that moment, that amazing moment together. So those things can happen positively and they can also happen negatively. So the audience will tell you if you're listening and you really need to sort of transition. So when this is kind of complicated, um, it's simple to me, but it may sound complicated. So when I'm telling a story, the stronger that story is to me, the stronger the visuals will be in my head. Okay. So if the story's not real, I've got to make that stuff up. So I've got to create a history and visions and people and taste and smell and all that kind of stuff to trick my brain into really believing the story. Uh, so, but if the story is real, it's really easy to tell the story because I have all the visions and the feelings and stuff. So when I'm telling that story, if I'm telling that story well, and I'm super filled up with all the imagery and the, and the sensory and all that kind of stuff, you as an audience member will see the story in your own way, in your, in your brain, right? You'll see San Francisco bridge, Golden Gate bridge. You'll see the fog around it, whatever that is that I'm talking about. Um, even if you've never been there before, you'll create a thing if you've never seen it. Right. So that's mirror neurons working, right? Um, and now I have completely forgotten where I'm going with this because I was so into, oh, that's right. So what I do when I'm working with my audience so that I don't get too caught up in my story, because I really see it, like to the point right, where right. I almost don't see what's in front of me. I'm in my head and I'm I'm picking the apple off the tree and I'm actually seeing, you know, like I'm super connected to it. So I have to go backwards and forwards between audience and story to check in, right? Come uh -huh. out of the story and the visuals, check with the audience that they're on board. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, okay, cool, go back. So I sort of do this transition biologically as I'm as I'm working and speaking with an audience. Um, and what's interesting is like with the virtual stuff recently that I've been doing, if I can't see the audience, I'm imagining them. Oh, Right? And, and I do stuff like to engage them. I'll say stuff like, um, hey, uh, you know, who let's, let's have a super interactive conversation here. And it, they know that it's complete BS because I can't see them. And, and I'll be like, so raise your hand if you're wearing your pajama pants. Yes. Okay, good. Um, got your coffee, your water, like what, you know, and, and I'll be like, okay, yeah. I'll ask them a question. And I'm like, uh, I want you, because if we were live together, you know, we would be, you'd be yelling this back out to me. So just yell it out at your computer screen, like I can hear it. So I'll ask a question and then I'll lean, <laughs> you know, I'll lean in for the answer. So I'm like, yeah, okay, uh-huh, okay, good, great. That's not uh -huh. the answer. This is the answer. And, you know, so it, there's, there's stuff you can do if you're having fun with yourself. Your audience will, in their own way, have some fun too. Um, even in a, in a virtual thing. My standard, I mean, I should tagline, I mean, uh, what is a trademark, but this line, as I use all the time, is that if you're not having fun, neither is your audience. Yeah, I'm sure. If you're in a shitty mood, so is your audience, and you will take them into that mood with you. I had a client 
who basically she gave me a, tw- a 20, 30 minute presentation to analyze for her. That's another thing that I do. If you want to send me video footage, I will analyze it, like time code it. I mean, it takes me for about a 20 minute presentation. It takes me about an hour and a half because I start, stop, start, stop, note, 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 you know, and then I have a bunch of questions. So it's quite an interesting process, but I when, said to when, her. Can I ask a question though, when you do that, so so let's say someone, and like a lot of the stuff you just said right now, I'm like, I think a lot of people could benefit from that given, I mean, I have to do these talks right now on, on Zoom and I'm like, and I, and I don't dread them, but a lot of the times it's like, I say it's talking to a wall, you're talking to a wall because they're on mute <laughs> and like half the time they're like eating. And so I'm like, dude, this is, this is fucking the worst, you know, because like, there's no interaction. So uh, my question for you is when you are, obviously you're, you're being smart about this and you're like, I'm going to like act as if I'm live and think about what, what I'd be doing and creating. What would they be doing? And- yeah. What are they doing? I'm creating a reality. I'm creating a bit of interaction, which it makes it more engaging. So my question for you is, when you are, let's say someone wants to hire you to come and and let's say critique with their presentation, what is the, besides notes, what can they expect as far as a, a, a deliverable for them to end up with a much cleaner, tighter, more constructed um, presentation? What, what do you, how does that look? Yeah, yes and no. It depends on where they're at. It depends on the level of where they're at and, and how cognizant they are of their stimulus value. So stimulus value means how do you stimulate me and how do I value it? Essentially judgment, right? We're very judgy human beings. So, and, and we also are very biological. So whatever I take on this onto the stage with me, um, like I said, is going to be given. So we, um, what I do is I ask a lot of, based on the presentation and what I see, the behaviors that I see that you are emulating or uh, delivering, um, there'll be questions that I, I might ask, like what happened before you walked on stage? because you were in a very strange mood and what we think we show. So if, if I'm super nervous and I'm telling myself, Oh my God, I suck at this. I suck at this. I suck at this. I'm going to go on stage oozing that message out of my body. Even if my words are saying, I'm so happy to be here. This is an amazing day for me. I would just love to get paid. Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah. So it was like, what people don't realize is, so there's, there's a, there's a, there was a theory back in the 40s that um, 93% of how we communicate was nonverbal. Now, depending on which specialist you talk to, nobody's actually done a study that absolutely proves it, but they say it's 73 to 93% nonverbals, right? So the way I explain this to my clients is I say, imagine that the 93, let's take the 93% metaphorical theory, um, uh, it's 55% uh, nonverbal movement, body language, and 38% tone of voice, and 7% being your words. Now, words are important, but they are accessories at the end of the day, right? Like, mm. So I look at it like if your 93% is your body, your naked human body, and you've got to fill it up with um, brain and blood and heart and lungs and arms and legs and toenails and hair and all that kind of stuff so that you appear normal. And then the 7% are the clothes you put on top of it, right? So those clothes can be sparkly, they can be interesting, they can be grubby and homeless clothes. It depends on, you know, how you want to, whatever those words are and whoever your audience is. But if you are not, if that 93% is not filled up in a functioning, working body, then essentially you're a pile of clothes on stage. Right. Because your words don't mean anything. And 
going back to the you method that I was talking about before where I used to start with the content and now I start with the why, which is yourself, and then the, the you, which is us, the audience, those are the two components that I work really strongly on first and then we go to the content. But, you know, so you can't connect to an audience if you don't know what's going on here and it doesn't matter what you're saying and this is the example that I use is because everyone's been at an event like a wedding or a funeral or, a, you know, a party or something like that where somebody's got up, stood up and said, I haven't prepared anything, I've got no notes, and they've taken us on this wild journey of laughter and sadness and emotions and blah, 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 blah. And maybe they just told a story or maybe they just shared a couple of items that we never knew about that person or whatever. Um, and nothing was prepared. Right. It, because it was all here. And because it was all here, the audience easily went and connected to it, right? So is there is there something is there something to be said? I mean, obviously, like that's amazing when that happens, right? And I know we're we're getting near the end, end of the hour here. The hour flew by, of course. Um, wow, so, yeah. Yeah, you got you got to run. But the U part or the Y part on the U is am I? I know the why and the use all, I'm flipping it right now, but me, if I'm the speaker, mm -hmm. it's about me coming in, what, confident, ready, prepared, the, uh, the, I'm going to ooze whatever feelings that are that I want to like give off during the talk. I know my material. I'm ready to, you know, really, I, I show up, right? Is that what you mean by that? When, uh, yeah. And you, you also want to, uh, uh, you, uh, I'll give you another expert that you, I, I could probably get you for your podcast, which is Mark Bowden. If you don't know who he is, I love him and I'm going to have him on my webinar when I start um, with my online training comes out in full. He talks about, it depends, what is the result that you want, right? It's not about just the behaviors that you elude or the emotions or whatever, or the stories that you tell, what is the result that you want from your audience? Because if you know how to use biology and emotions and behavior and all that kind of stuff, you can elicit a result out of your audience. Look at magicians. Right. Magicians are the perfect example of that. So, but that's that's a big rabbit hole, and that and that that does not happen overnight. That kind of stuff you're talking years of experience, right? Mm -hmm. But you know, he talks about being inauthentic in order to become authentic. So people that say, "I want to be my authentic self," well, guess what? If you need to learn how to be a better speaker, or a funnier speaker, or a more empathetic speaker, well, then you've got to start being inauthentic with something that's super uncomfortable and outside your comfort zone in order to practice, 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 practice to one day being your authentic self as this amazing speaker. But you weren't that like four years ago, right? Right. And so, is, that, is that the us part? Is that the part where you're being, because anyone could show up and say, I'm just going to, I'm not going to prepare. I'm just going to come and be myself and it either lands or it doesn't. But to your point, if it's all about, the audience getting value and getting what they want and resonating. And, and if I say, I don't care about myself, all I care about is you getting what you want. Is that kind of what that is? Because then I have to prepare, do a the bit, work. A little bit. I, it's, it's, a, it's a conversation. I think of it as a tennis match or a conversation. So you have some things that you want and you know that we have some things that we want. And we both, if we both get, get what we want, we're happy. Right. Just, the, 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 the O part, which is the overall objective, the content, the whatever that is, is what goes in between the Y and the U, right? The overall objective. So what, how, how that content connects to the Y and the U is, is, is 
as creative as you know the moon and the stars. So it's oh, I love it. That's so cool. Um, I know you got to run, and so I don't want to keep you. I, I mean, I, we could probably sit here and talk for two more hours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Everyone's like, Darius, dude, like, what's up, man? You guys you just chopped it up and had a, a, a great conversation. And like, we didn't even get to ask questions. I'm like, too bad. I always, I, I am unapologetic, just so you know, Stephanie, about the fact that this is the, my most selfish hour of my day. So screw all you. I love you, but screw you. No. Um, so yeah, like, look, you're working with, executives, you're working with speakers, you're working with coaches, you're working with people to help them elevate, get their message across, whether it's on the stage or on Zoom or, you know, in COVID times in their basement on camera. But it sounds like you're, you know, and, and by the way, everybody, like, like she came to me from, from Mr. Mike Cato, who was on the show, who we all know is freaking amazing. So I got introduced from Stephanie, from Mike. Mike, I love you. And um, you think, so, really think Mike's listening to this right now? He's so busy in his own world. <laughs> oh, oh I, I don't even care if he is. I still love him. Um, <laughs> but you guys, so yeah, so obviously, look, look, why don't we go back through how do they connect with you? Where do they find you? Um, your trainings come out. Give us some info on that. And yeah, um, yeah let's, let's of get course. You. So um, I have a training, an online training um, that's coming out this fall. Uh, it is called Executive Storytellers Academy or the Executive Storytellers Academy. Uh, the website is executivestorytellers.com. Well, Facebook group is, oh no, executivestoryteller.com. No S, no S for the website. Okay. Executivestoryteller.com. The Facebook group and the Instagram is executive storytellers because that's where we're all coming together as a group. Mm. Um, on those uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram and my LinkedIn is Stephanie Paul Inc. Inc. Um, you can reach out to me there. Um, but the, we're going to, we're, we're starting in uh, sort of mid, late September to amp up the marketing for the okay. online training program. There's a, a plethora of options around it uh, from just straight virtual videos and content. And you know, there'll be other options where you can send in videos that I analyze and give you feedback. There'll be what you can have one-to-ones with me. We'll have um, a Facebook live Q&A, you know, once a week. There'll, there, uh, there'll be some free um, online trainings and webinars and things like that where people can just come in and, uh, you know, hear some more stuff about communication. Uh, so I would love to, and, and I have a survey. So um, I'm, I'm like loving to hear right now what everybody wants uh, to learn or understand or know more about. So if you reach out to me, um, I'll definitely be able to send that survey to you too or answer any of your questions uh, and I have a book. I have an ebook, okay, cool. um, which is called The Why Guide to Story Hacking. And that is also at executivestoryteller.com. And okay. if you want to purchase it, it's only an 85-page book, but it basically breaks down storytelling. Uh, I am offering a discount code. If you use capital H, capital A, capital C, capital K, hack, the number four, and capital U, it'll give you $5 off the book. Cool. You guys, so hack for you is the discount code for the ebook, executivestoryteller.com um, and stephaniepaulinc.com. So we got all those. We'll drop those in the comments section so you guys can find that. Um, if anyone's not on Facebook, you can go to Facebook and see it. Um, and um, man, so much, so much love here. I love, I love, I had so much fun. This is like really cool. Thank you so much. For- Thank you. We got one more show tomorrow. Bob Glazer's coming on to promote his new book, Friday Forward. Just awesome. It's out this week on Amazon. I'm so, I'm so grateful to Stephanie. Thank you so much for being on the show. 
Oh, no, I had had fun. Thank you for having me. But guys, um, look, you know what to do. Share this. Follow us at The Real Darius M on Facebook. Go to my website, therealdarius.com. Sign up for the newsletter so you can get the updates on who the speakers are. We got book launch. Boom! Book's coming out. A week from Tuesday. I can't believe it. Holy fuck. And last but not least, subscribe to the YouTube channel so you can get the updates after the show in case you miss it. Because you know I do a lot of shows and sometimes you guys are busy. Uh, Besides that, love you. Thank you, Stephanie. You are amazing. I really appreciate you being here. Oh, thanks. Peace. See you guys. Bye. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Guys, The Greatness Machine is all about two things. People who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world, and we feature these messages and speakers so it can help you step into your greatness within your own life and your own business. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you're tuning in from. And leave us a review. We love getting reviews for the show. If the episode made you think of someone who is leveling up in their business and life, print screen it, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to learn from one another. You can also go to our website, www.thegreatnessmachine.com. That's www.thegreatnessmachine.com. And on there, you'll see special tools to help you scale your business faster, show notes for the episode to help you integrate the lessons, and You will also get links that came out during the show. So on there, look, you can also grab a copy of my book, The Core Value Equation, which is a resource for helping CEOs and business leaders establish core values from their teams that don't suck. And mind you, a lot of them suck. Get access to this and more at www.thegreatnessmachine.com. With that said, you guys, look, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We out of here. See you guys next time. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.